1: Hey everybody, what's up and welcome in to the Best on the Board episode for Friday, November 12th. Michael Beller and Casey Joyner here with you. We are going to talk through our Week 10 Best bets. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for kicking off your weekend with us, KC. Thanks for kicking off your weekend with me. <laughs> Glad you kicked off the weekend with an interesting game last night. I guess interesting oh is gosh. a nice word for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whenever you have the uh, highlight of the game not counting, uh, that's when yeah. you know that something <laughs> bizarre has truly gone down. And like, I mean... <laughs> ridiculous he looked
0: like he looked like that pass was right for him it's, it, it's
1: like
0: they got to put that in the game plan now and make a tackle eligible screen yeah. to him he's
1: got to do that well the way that the way that he went for it i just assumed that he must have reported as eligible right cuz he yeah. he went for it like so like confidently and coolly and then runs with it and then you see the replay and it's like this is the right guard <laughs> catching a screen pass this is ridiculous like i was that. I was And the best part about it is that Gaskin was in position to catch it. He was sort of stumbling, right? He probably doesn't run it in for a touchdown, but like he was there. He was ready to make the catch. And then like I don't know. And then the Dolphins win, of course, right? Like it doesn't actually matter. The Dolphins yeah. beat the Ravens as eight and a half point underdogs. Just absolutely crazy and sort of a continuation of what we saw in week nine. Hopefully for the sake of our picks, Casey, we're going to get things settled down a little bit over the weekend. Another bad week for us here last week. 0-3 for you, 1-2 and for me, 9-16-1 on this. Season for you nine and fourteen for me. Let's get things turned around here this week. We've got let's see one two three favorites among our picks, two underdogs, and then you've got a total as well. Let's start things off in the AFC South where the Colts are ten and a half point favorites against the Jaguars. You've got a pick for this game. Let's hear what it is and why you like the side that you like. I'll take Indianapolis on this one because. You got to give Jacksonville a lot of credit.
0: Their defense held the bills to only 301 offensive yards and six points last week. They generated three takeaways. I keep looking at it and go, it was a perfect setup for a trap game for Buffalo. They were in between divisional opponents. They had to fit in a road contest against an opponent. They could easily underestimate and probably rode a, t- a team talent wise. they probably shouldn't have over underestimated because the Jaguars have been playing better relative to what they were before. Now, the Colts aren't going to take this game lightly. This is an in division foe. They're not going to take uh, the, J- the Jaguars lightly at all. And you had to figure that the Colts, they've. Run off four straight games of 30 or more points, they scored 27 or more points in or 25 mm-hmm. more points in six straight games. They put up 532 yards last week, 500 yards against the Ravens a few weeks ago. Their running game has ground out uh, 123 or more yards in five of the past six contests. They put up two more takeaways in all but two games this year. In fact, they have 11 over the past four weeks. I just keep seeing these elements and going, okay, we're all kind of scared to pick against Jackson because of what they did at Buffalo last week. But this is not that game, and this is mm-hmm. not that set of circumstances. So I will take the Colts to cover at minus 10.5. I might buy down to minus 10. I mean, well, we listed at 10.5, but I might, if I was a better, take it down to minus 10 instead of 10.5. Just take a little bit of the edge off of that just to make sure you can get that push in case it's 10. I do think, though, they'll, they'll win by probably two touchdowns.
1: Yeah, this one does sit at 10.5 right now on BetMGM, the presenting sponsor of uh, Best on the Board. Uh, I'm in a pool where I pick every single game against the spread, Casey. I'm picking the Colts pretty easily. It's not among my three picks here. Could be among my five Super Contest picks. But for all the reasons you said, this Colts offense really does seem to have found its level. And then you've got Trevor Lawrence on the other side, who's going to play, but has been banged up all week since that Bills game. Hasn't got a ton of practice in. Uh, is going Almost certainly will be starting for the Jaguars, but definitely not at 100%. And this Colts offense definitely, I mean, they started rounding a corner. It was their game against the Ravens, in fact, that they ultimately blew to the Ravens. But that was, what, like five weeks ago now, six weeks ago? And that was when that offense really started to figure things out and piece some things together. And now we've seen it, as you said, week after week after week to an extent that I think we can trust that this is basically what the Colts offense is for the remainder of the season. So definitely feel good about them going into a game against the Jaguars. Ten and a half is the number that we're looking at here. That's what you're going to lay for your first pick of the week. I also have my one favorite up here, and it is the Packers as three and a half point favorites against the Seahawks. I'm just making this as a supposition sort of play, KC. We know Russell Wilson back for the Seahawks this game in Green Bay. After what we saw from the Packers offense with Jordan Love at the helm last week, there is no way, no way that the Packers are three and a half point favorites where they've been all week. If Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back, I think the odds makers are just assuming Aaron Rodgers is coming back. They're installing the Packers as three and a half point favorites with that in mind. It's pretty comfortable for them because once we get the thumbs up on Aaron Rodgers, they could probably bump it up to four and a half. But you just keep it north of a field goal for now. And then maybe you make that move uh, if uh, Rodgers does indeed get announced as the starter over the weekend and then assuming he is starting. Absolutely love the Packers in this spot. This is a team that has covered almost every single spread that they have had this season. We know what this team is with a healthy Aaron Rodgers at the helm. We know what this offense is. Packers definitely the better team and wouldn't be surprised to see Russell Wilson in a sort of Dak Prescott redux this week we saw Dak first game back from injury last week that offense just looked a little bit disjointed I think Russell be fine ultimately I don't think they'd be pushing him back this quickly if he weren't but maybe a little bit of rust maybe a little bit of disjointedness for that Seattle offense this line assumes Rodgers is playing and if he is I want to be on the Packers for sure.
0: I like it in the sense that uh, Seattle, early in the year, they did like they did last year, and their defense was terrible, and they had Russ throw the ball a ton, and they got into kind of shoot-up modes they don't want to get into, and now they've kind of tried to slow things back down. I don't think you can just get back to that mode that quickly, and I think their defense is still... Probably nearly as bad, if not as bad as it was, even though their metrics have held out well because they've been able to protect them running a ball. Mm -hmm. If you've got Aaron Rodgers out there, he's not going to let you protect that defense. And if you have to get into shootout mode, I don't think Seattle, because of Russell Wilson's rust, is really, I don't think they're in a good place to be able to keep up in that kind of a situation.
1: Yeah, the fact that they've been so comfortable with having this at 3.5 all week suggests to me that there's just really no risk that it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. They would have had it off the board. It's never been off the board. It would have started a little bit lower if they thought there was going to be some possibility of Jordan Love starting. The fact that books, BetMGM included, have been so comfortable having this at 3, 3.5 all week when we knew, we knew on Monday that Russell Wilson was coming back. If there was any real doubt that Aaron Rodgers was going to be out there for this game, we just wouldn't have seen this number at this number all week long and so. So that's why I'm on it. I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers plays. Packers are definitely more than three and a half points better than the Seahawks at home with Aaron Rodgers out there for them. So Packers minus three and a half, my first play of the week. We move on to play number two for UKC Monday night football, Rams and 49ers. Rams four point favorites. Another line that has pretty much stuck exactly at the opening number on BetMGM all week. You like the Rams to bounce back. Let's hear why. I do. I mean, the 49ers offense is getting
0: a lot of grief for the club's three and five record. And losses in five of the past six games. I mean, 49ers losing five out of six, who would have seen that coming? But big part of the problem is their rush defense. They've given up 487 yards on the ground in the past three contests. 487. That And this is a 49ers team that prides itself on being able to run the ball and stop the run. That's what their whole team's built around. And they've not been able to do that at all. San Francisco's offense goes as his ground game goes, and that's a problem against the Los Angeles rush defense that's allowed fewer than 70 rushing yards in three of the past four contests. The Rams have more firepower in their passing attack, and I'm not including OBJ in there. I'm not, you know, I'm <laughs> not, not impressed with that. No, not yet. And I'm not even if he, he would, even if he did play, I'm not impressed with the signing. He's, he's too banged up. He's a later in the season approach. But Cooper Cup's the best receiver in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Woods, Bobby Trees is coming along very well. They've got, uh, they've got a lot more firepower, and I just don't trust the San Francisco. Is because firepower and offense is back to where it is. Eli Mitchell, for what he is as a back, I still think he's he's above replacement, but not that far above replacement. He's not what Raheem Mostert was. So they mm-hmm. just don't have the firepower in their ground game, and their passing game is is uh, is not what it was. Is not what not what it can be at its peak either. And it certainly can't keep up the Rams. I like the Rams to cover in this one.
1: Yeah, you know, I always want to find uh, disagreement. I'm not going to contrive it. I'm not going to just make disagreement up out of thin air. But I want us to find it don't have it here either. Rams is another one that I'm picking in my pool where I pick every game. Uh, on the Friday episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast where we make five picks, I had the Rams minus four as one of my picks. This just feels like a really good bounce back spot for the Rams. And you look at last week, very fluky circumstances in which they ended up losing that game to the Titans. Basically, Matthew Stafford gifted the Titans 14 points right off the bat on back-to-back possessions. You had the pick six as the second one. And the first one was just as good as a pick six, right? An interception that. Set the Titans up on the one-yard line. So that's just 14 gift wrapped points to the Titans back-to-back possessions in the first quarter. The Rams really never had a shot from that point forward. That's just sort of how this sport works. When you get that deep of a hole that quickly, it's hard to dig yourself out of it, even when you are as good as the Rams are. So this just has the feeling of a bounce-back spot. And actually I know we're not talking about that Titans Saints game, but the flip side of that is that it concerns me for the Titans. It concerns me that that's how they beat the Rams, that they didn't really do much offensively in their first game without Derrick Henry, and now they're just three point favorites at home against a (laughs) Saints team that still doesn't know if it's going to be Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon as its quarterback this week. So that has me concerned about the Titans, but that's a digression from what we're actually talking about here. I'm with you on the Rams bouncing back against the Niners. Maybe we'll find some disagreement here considering the way that you've (laughs) talked about the Philadelphia Eagles over the last few weeks, because I I am buying the Eagles plus two and a half at the Broncos. Minus 105 is the uh, line on this at BetMGM. So you're going to pay a little bit less juice if you get in on the Eagles at plus two and a half. Last night when I was first looking at this line, KC, the Eagles were plus three, minus 120. So they were juiced up a little bit at plus three. And now we get it down at plus two and a half. I'm not even going to try to make a significant X's and O's case for this one, KC, because that's really not the foundation of why I'm picking it. Why is this two and a half? Why is this line only two and a half points? The Broncos are five and four, have some decent wins to their name, including a dominant victory at the Cowboys last week. Meanwhile, the Eagles have been down for most of the season. Their most recent win, that 44 to six line win against the Lions, like who cares about that win? Now they go into Denver. Denver's coming back home after that win at Dallas that they dominated from wire to wire. They're only two and a half point favorites. And then, like I said, that line was at three on Thursday night, and the Broncos were plus 100 at minus 3. Why are books so comfortable giving out even money on the Broncos minus 3 at home against a 3-6 and Eagles team after they just waxed the Cowboys in Dallas? I think it's because they're courting bets on the Broncos. I think they want people to be putting money on the Broncos. That is a supposition on my part. I'm trying to get in the heads of the oddsmakers. I admit that readily, but if I'm right, I want to side myself with the odds makers, and that mostly, that is like 90% of the reason why I'm going with the Eagles here.
0: I cover the Eagles for, a write about them for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and uh, their offense, they figured out where they want to be, at least I think they figured out where they want to be an offense. They're finally saying, hey, we got a rushing quarterback in Jalen hurts, we can run block well, we've got a great running back uh, group, so we know we can power run the ball, and they've been doing some back they're one of only six teams this year to rush for 175 yards in back-to-back games. So, and and their streak is still going if they do you know fours the the record for the season. So, they have a chance to to do that. Having said that, Jonathan Gannon's defense doesn't have any idea what it wants to be and over the past four weeks they allowed an 88.7 percent completion rate on short passes <laughs> 88 points it's, it's like nine yards per nine point one, it's just it's just awful that they're they're sitting back in that cover two shell letting you throw underneath and daring you to do it and teams are like okay if we can complete nearly 97 passes we'll do it and he's not blitzing and he's not fixed things on offense you can see him fixing problems a defense it's just not happening and I, and it's and it's just and, it, and it's because it's happened. If it was a one game thing, I'd, I'd say okay, well maybe it's just a one game. It's a four game thing, and he stubbornly keeps sticking to his approach. Mm-hmm. He won't go back to the one gapping stuff that Jim Schwartz didn't say. Let's really get out the field. At least he won't do it consistently. That scares me about any Eagles pick. I just and until that defense gets picked, it gets fixed. I should say I just can't really get behind them because I just
1: don't trust Jonathan Gannon's play call. You know, it also plays to the strengths of Teddy Bridgewater if they end up coming out with that sort of look this week as well. And we know that now it's Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. That could have me in trouble. What you point out about the Eagles offense, though, is a point well taken. Uh, This was a team that was super pass-heavy the first six weeks of the season. They ranked sixth in the NFL through Week 6 in neutral game situation, early down pass rate. That comes to us from uh, Ben Baldwin's invaluable pass-run frequency database, definitely uh, search for that. Uh, It's a great, great tool for us here. Over the last three weeks, they're 24th in that same measure. So they have definitely changed their mentality on offense, and I think it's working for them offensively. Do have some concerns about what you point about with the defense, but I'm still going to ride with it because the Broncos should be favored by more. I want to side myself with the (laughs) odds makers. We're courting bets on the Broncos. Let's go ahead and ride with the Eagles. Plus two and a half over at BetMGM. All right, KC, one more pick apiece here, and it is coming from the same game. Big AFC clash. This could uh, ultimately uh, decide a playoff spot, perhaps, or maybe make a tiebreaker. Browns and Patriots getting together in New England. It is Patriots minus two. The total is 45. You've got to pick on the total. I've got to pick on the side. Let's hear what you've got for the total.
0: On the total, uh, I like the, the over on this because... The Patriots offense, people keep thinking it's Mac Jones and, okay, this is, I think they're still reflecting on what the Patriots were in the first four weeks of the year when they scored 17 or fewer points on three occasions. They scored 24 or more points in five straight games and they scored, at 25, 29, 54, 27 and 24. Their running game is doing fantastic. They've had 142 or more rushing yards in three straight games, 120 more in five straight games. I look at what they're doing offensively and say, okay, they can hold up their end of the deal. I think they'll get at least 24, and they could probably get a little more than that. And Cleveland's offense, it's not, it's not great. I just, I keep looking at. I'd like to look at uh, either past a victory, or in this case, past a scoring, mm-hmm. and you can see they've got past being able to score. They are still a very good running team. They and the the Patriots have been inconsistent stopping the run. They're good sometimes. They're not good other times. They also have some weaknesses in their secondary to the Patriots. Jalen Bills is. Shaky in coverage, not horrible, but you can definitely throw at him. And I'm seeing the Browns having enough in their in their arsenal where I can easily see them getting to 20 points, 17, 20 points at least. And I can see pass forward from that. And I go, okay, well, I'll, you know, the Patriots just had to have a slightly better game than that to be able to get this thing over. So I keep looking at this, going, if I if Bill Parcells just say we play a game 10 times, how often will his team win? Why do the same thing when it comes to things like this? If I'm looking at this, going, if these teams play 10 times, how many times do I think they're getting there? I don't think they're getting there 10 times out of 10, which you'd really like to see. But I can see 7 out of 10 pass because the Patriots office is doing that well right now.
1: If they were getting there 10 out of 10 times, KC, this would be 47 <laughs> and a half, not 45. <laughs> right. that's, that's how that works. Um, so I'm on the side, and I like the Browns, actually, in this spot. I like the Browns plus 2 at New England. And it really comes down to something we saw fully formed against Cincinnati last week. I feel like we've been creeping in this direction with Cleveland over the last couple of weeks, but we saw it in its full form a week ago, and that's that when this defense is at full strength, This is one of the best defenses in the NFL, potentially the very best defense in the NFL, and we saw that last week. When you've got Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney getting upfield, when you've got guys like Denzel Ward and John Johnson doing what they do behind that, you can do a lot of really fun things on the defensive side of the ball. JOK expected to be back for Cleveland also this week, and I just think that this New England team is going to have a lot of trouble against a defense like that. You mentioned what they've been able to do over these last few weeks. They haven't seen a defense like Cleveland's in any of those games. And now, let's rewind just a couple of years here. Let's go back to the last year Tom Brady was in New England. Just the, the obvious def, uh, defaults, or um, deficiencies in this uh, offense are out wide. There's just not a lot of speed, not a lot of athleticism. That was a problem for this team in 2019. Tom Brady leaves, goes to greener pastures in Tampa. Last year, 2020, with Cam Newton, same issues. Just not a Lot of speed or athleticism out wide not a lot to challenge defenses not a lot for defenses to respect. It means defenses can feel comfortable to take some gambles, and the same thing is happening with this team this season. They find ways to win, obviously. Bill Belichick, a great coach. They're doing really good work with Mac Jones. Mac Jones, unquestionably, is getting better and better as the season progresses, but there's just not a lot to threaten any sort of defense, and that is a bad formula to bring against a defense that has the speed and the athleticism that Cleveland's has. You throw in the fact that We're probably playing without Damian Harris in this game. Ramondre Stevenson, I think he can maybe be a one-for-one replacement for Damian Harris, but we haven't seen it. And then we haven't seen what happens as the domino effect beyond that, because we've seen Ramondre Stevenson as a nice compliment to Damian Harris. But if he steps up, who's the compliment to him? Is it J.J. Taylor? Is it Brandon Bolden? And that matters for a team that maybe can't challenge Cleveland on the outside. And so I just start to add all these things up, and I feel like Cleveland's in a much better position to play without Nick Chubb, then New England is to play without Damian Harris, and that's what it looks like it's going to be for Cleveland. Obviously, Nick Chubb can get back off the COVID list, but we haven't seen anyone do it. Even though he's vaccinated, he just needs the two negative tests. We haven't seen anyone do that this season. So I think at this point we have to assume it's going to be Dearness Johnson. I think that Cleveland can replicate what they do better than New England can replicate what they want to do when they're at full strength. I really like the Browns in this spot. Give me the Browns plus two.
0: And I also like the idea that both these teams have very opportunistic defenses. You see pick sixes from these defenses. You would not be surprised at all to see a defensive touchdown come up, Mm -hmm. which... And once you get a defensive touchdown, suddenly now the offense only need 38 points. And I do like the Browns from from this perspective to be able to pull up the upset. I, I very much like that. I think they're going to want to turn this into, a, or it will end up turning into a higher scoring game than they think. I think it's going to be 27-24, something like that. But I could easily see the Browns getting to that. Because again, the Patriots, as good as their defense is, it is opportunistic. They do have some coverage weaknesses as well They, they, they that they haven't had in past years. They're not glaring because it's Bill Belichick and he doesn't let that happen. But Jalen Mills is a guy who I would be surprised to see him target him ten times in this contest.
1: Best unit on the field in this game is the Browns defense, and I think by a long shot, and that's why I like getting the points back in that Browns defense. Think they keep things rolling again. what could be a very big win considering how clustered up the AFC is right now. That's gonna do it for us here on this episode of Best on the Board. Thank you so much for joining us here for Casey Joyner. I am Michael Beller. Have a great weekend. We're back with you next week. Good luck this weekend, and as always, happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.